Thank you for joining us for today's Real Life Today Bible Study with Dr. Brad Witt from the Book of Romans. Thank you for your prayer and support that enables us to share this practical biblical teaching. So grab a Bible, a notebook, and a pen, and let's study God's Word together. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5. All right, always bring your Bible. Uh, and, uh, you know, bring your Bible when you come to Abilene. Unlike some churches, you need a Bible when you come to Abilene. Whenever I'm going to uh, preach or teach, you're going to need your Bible because what I think, what I have to say, my cute little stories and my, my tales and my travels and adventures and the event, the crusades and everything I've preached in don't matter. What matters is what does God's Word say. And uh, we're in Romans chapter 5 today. And uh, my family's probably a lot like your family. And so we're getting ready to do some traveling uh, over the holidays. And so remember, we're going to be getting the expedition kind of uh, looked at, tuned up, taken care of, getting ready to get it on the road. Because uh, uh, that Thanksgiving week, we do a lot of traveling from here to Memphis, from Memphis to Knoxville, from Knoxville to back here. And uh, Kim's actually going to spend a little extra time with her mom uh, that week. And so um, I'm getting ready to do a little bit of traveling. And uh, if you're like our family, there, there are basically two types of people when it comes to taking trips. There are those who just enjoy the trip. They love looking at the scenery. They love uh, everything about the trip, the stops, the riding, the singing in the car, the games you play. And then there are folks like me that a trip is made to get you somewhere as fast as you can possibly get there. And you don't need to stop every six hours to go to the bathroom. And so that's basically the two types of people that there are when it comes to taking trips. And so whether you're the first or the latter, um, former or the latter, whether you're primarily concerned with the here and now, whether you're uh, concerned really more about what's up ahead, Romans chapter 5 has something for you. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 1 through 3, Paul shows us how the entire world stands convicted before God. We talked about that, that, that courtroom scene. Uh, in Romans chapter 4, uh, he showed us how uh, through a faith like Abraham, it's possible to begin uh, this new life, this journey into life. And then, But in Romans chapter 5, what he does is he looks more closely at the trip, the journey, if you will, itself. The first 11 verses of Romans chapter 5, they, they, they have two really significant clauses, if you will. In verse number 1, you, you see the word there, the clause, we have. And, uh, and after that, there's this list of the blessings that come uh, as a result of our relationship, this journey we're on with Jesus. But then in verse 9, there's the second clause, we shall be. And what that does is it kind of focuses in on uh, the, the ultimate blessings that we have awaiting for us when we finally reach uh, uh, where we're going, our final destination. And so that's basically what the book of Romans chapter 5, uh, this Everest, if you will, the Himalayas of uh, revealed scripture uh, say here in this fifth chapter. So look there beginning in verse 1. And uh, Paul says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I love what the psalmist said over in uh, Psalm 103, verse 2. The psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. But here's the problem. We're really good at forgetting. Uh, matter of fact, we're a whole lot better at forgetting than we are remembering how good God has been to us. As a matter of fact, Abraham Lincoln, uh, you got a new book came out today on the president 
uh, and on Abraham Lincoln and Fred, Frederick Douglass and uh, the president, the freedom fighter. And, uh, but President Abraham Lincoln was talking about how our nation, even at that time, had advanced and grown and, 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 and was wealthy and enriched. But then he made this statement, we've forgotten God. Well, man, if that was true back then, it's way more true today. And so this, this, this tendency that we have to forget all of God's good things, the, the blessings that he gives to us, is so common that, that Paul has to remind us here that the Christian life is not just about what's at your final destination, not just pie in the sky by and by, the sweet here, uh, the sweet by and by, the, the here. No, it has real tangible personal benefits for us right now. And he, and he gives some of those to us here in these first few verses. Uh, first of all, in verse 1, we have this personal peace with God. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's very little peace in this world. As a matter of fact, I, I remember this little statistic, and I went back to just to verify it. Out of the past 3,400 years of recorded human history, there have only been 268 years of peace. That's only like 8%. As a matter of fact, in 1994, you had like 31 wars going on at the same time and in Rwanda. You had over a million people, citizens, if you will, killed in that conflict. And so all this war, what it does, it just shows uh, that there's an even greater problem. And that is not just that we have peace in this world, or rather we have conflict and war in this world, but we, we, that we have a lack of peace with God. Um, President Hoover once said that peace is not made in the documents, in documents, but rather in the hearts of men. And here's the thing. We're never going to have peace in this world. We're never going to have peace between us and other folks. We're never going to have peace uh, with each other until we first have the peace of God in our hearts. And so he says down there that we have peace with God. He says again, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what happens is when Jesus Christ comes uh, into our heart, Jesus makes that peace possible. Uh, the Greek word is translated there with. It, it can be translated two different ways depending uh, basically whether it's a hostile or a friendly relationship. If it's a hostile relationship, uh, then it's translated against. If it's a friendly relationship, it can be translated with like it is here. And so here you have this friendly relationship. Uh, by the way, here's, it's not always been that way. Uh, we've not always had a friendly relationship with God. We were, before we come to know Jesus Christ, we're at war, at enmity with God. But once we are justified, by the way, through nothing that we do, it's all of God, he treats us like we are righteous, and then he says that we have peace with him. And so the very first thing that we enjoy along this journey is we have this personal peace with God. But then in verse 2, he says we have this immediate access to the Father. Uh, he says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So once we are justified by faith, we become part of the family of God. And once we are part of the family of God, we have access to him at any time. Paul says, through whom we also we have access by faith into this grace. And you can go over to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 18 and 19. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. And so this access to God is not because of who we are, what we've done, anything of our own merit. It is only by God's grace and what he has done in our lives. 
Uh, Ron Dunn, great Christian, knew a lot about suffering, preached a lot about suffering. Uh, Ron Dunn put it this way. He said, the throne room is not sprinkled with the sweat of our activity. It's rather sprinkled with the blood of his sacrifice. I, I need you to understand that God himself for his children is more accessible than the president of the United States, regardless of what party. You know, if you or I were to pick up the phone today and call the White House, get the switchboard there, they're probably not going to put us through to the president. Um, again, regardless of what party, and I can make all kinds of funny jokes right now about what time we should call and not, not calling too early. Um, but you're probably not going to get put through. I'm probably not going to get put through. And yet Paul says that it's completely different for the child of God with the father. We can actually enter into the Father's throne room, speak to him, talk to him at any time. Now, that wasn't cheap. It came at a great price, the price of his only begotten son. Uh, and so to the unbeliever, though, God appears as inaccessible as, again, the president of the United States, the king of England. Uh, but to those of us who are his children, he's just a prayer away. And so Paul says on this journey that we enjoy personal peace with God. We have this immediate access to the Father. Then number three, we had this clear standing before God. Again, in verse two, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Um, all throughout the Bible, there's this question, how can a sinful man stand in the presence of holy God? Matter of fact, Psalm 130 verse three says, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? And of course, the answer is nobody could. Uh, Asaph, uh, he asked over in, in Psalm 76, verse 7, you yourself are to be feared, and who may stand in your presence when once you are angry? The last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation, puts it this way, Revelation 6, verses 15 through 17, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. Hey, look right here. God gets angry with our sins every single day, every single day. And so the question is again, who can stand in his presence? Who can stand before a holy God? Just those who have been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ and, and through faith. And uh, so Paul says that we have by faith a grace in which we stand. There was a great Scottish preacher, uh, Robert Haldane, and um, he was living in uh, Geneva at the time. And, and he wrote, and it is by him they enter into the state of grace. So by him they stand in it, accepted before God, secured, according to his everlasting covenant that they shall not be cast down. But they are fixed in this state of perfect acceptance, confirmed by sovereign grace, brought in, into it by unchangeable love, and kept in it by the power of a faithful God. <laughs> that, that's good stuff. Go back and listen to it. And so... Paul says here at the beginning of Romans 5, as you're enjoying the journey, enjoy the fact that you have personal access with God. You, you have immediate personal peace with God. You have immediate access to the Father. You have this clear standing before God. And then lastly, you have an ultimate hope in the glory of God. At the end of verse 2, he says, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You know, there's a day coming when God's glory is going to be revealed. And the Bible says his power and his majesty and his might is going to subdue the entire world. 
As a matter of fact, Philippians chapter 2, that great early church uh, hymn, that they sang how every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that's our ultimate hope. All the stuff that we go through, all the terrible things we endure in this life, everything that we've faced, the trials, the tribulations, all the things we talked about in, in James, all the ridicule, all the misunderstandings, all the persecutions that we have faced, and by the way, that we will face. We're going to face more, even here in America, as followers of Jesus Christ. All of those things are going to be made right. That's why we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Years ago, there was a submarine that sank off the coast of Massachusetts. It was hit by another ship, and it sunk. And... Um, there was a diver that was sent down to see if anybody had, had survived, and even if that was possible. When the diver got down there and he placed his, his helmet uh, against the side of the submarine, he could hear some Morse code being tapped out. They, they, they knew it better back then than we do. And there's a, there was a person on the other side tapping on the side of the hull of this sunken submarine. Is there any hope? And that diver had to tap back in Morse code, hope in God alone. You know, at the end of the day, at the end of life, that's where all hope lies. That's where any hope lies. I, I like the way one preacher put it, while others see a hopeless end, Christians see an endless hope. 